Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. I've got nothing. Zilch. Nada. Zero. Not a damn thing. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you from the recording studio built here in my home, just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. And on this week's episode, we are finally going to uh, kick off the JDRF auction. So in pipe parts, I will go through all of the items that have been donated and uh, then my guest is a novice pipe smoker, Ryan O'Rourke. Had fun sitting down with him. And then music, mailbag, and rant. All that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And in the interview with Ryan, you will hear us talk about the hopeful uh, West Coast Pipe Show of Las Vegas. Uh, the interview was recorded back in uh, late April, early May. And uh, just this week, yeah, we got the sad news that uh, the West Coast Pipe Show has been postponed for this year. And more on that in the rant coming up. Uh, so no West Coast Pipe Show for November 2000, uh, November of 2021. <laughs> See, I want to go back in time to when there was pipe shows. Um, however, there will be the uh, NASPC show in Columbus, Ohio. I've got my reservations all set for it. Uh, not going to be exhibiting anything, just coming to hang out, shop, walk around, smoke, you know, do the usual pipe show stuff. Uh, Kansas City is uh, doing a smaller version of their show, a little bit local at a uh, Moose Lodge, I think, or an Elks Lodge or a Mason's Lodge, one of those that starts with an M Lodge. And uh, the, uh, uh, the Conclave of Richmond Pipe Smokers, the core show at the Sutliff pipe tobacco factory that's going on the first weekend in october so there are still uh, pipe shows to do and see and stuff like that uh also this is the uh, first year in uh well no maybe it's the uh maybe it's only the second year in 20 some odd years that i have missed what's now known as the pca which was the ipcpr which was the rtda when i started it and uh, i'm hoping uh by next week to have talked to a few folks that were at the show because it uh, just closed uh, it's closing today as we're talking and uh, get a review of that and get a recap of what happened there so got that to look forward to all right let's get the show rolling so everybody sit back relax fire up a bowl thank you all for tuning in and here we go This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right, JDRF auction items for this year. 
And uh, these will all go up on, uh, so the, the pipes and accessories will go, will be listed for auction on Steve Fallon's Pipe Stud eBay account. And the way you can make sure and find out is that uh, Steve will put in the title JDRF Auction, and then in the description will be uh, you know, all the info about it. So there you go. So the, the auction items will start on Saturday, July 24th. The tobacco tins will go up on the pipestud.com website on Saturday morning, July 24th at 11 a.m. Eastern time. And I, I, you know, I watch Steve's site and boy, that stuff goes quick. So you got to be there and be there fast. All right, here's what we've got in no particular order. I've got a pile of stuff here on my desk in front of me and give the microphone an adjustment so that I can uh, see what I'm doing better. Uh, but from uh, Mike Zika, who donated, uh, these are, let's see, two tins of Astley's number 109 medium flake and then three tins of Astley's number 44, which is uh, hard to read through the wrapping, um, dark Virginia flake. And uh, these are, you know, Tobaccos I'm not real familiar with, uh, but these are recent productions, so not, not too much age on there. Probably a year or two of age total, but that's donated by uh, Mike Zika, so thank you, Mike. And then uh, Scott Wright sent this in, and Scott says, May this pipe go for more than its $80 retail price, at least what the original retail price was when first purchased by the shop owner. I do not know the year it was made or its current value. Glad every penny can go towards the JDRF. And then he says, by the way, kudos, uh, credit to Mike Marino at Cane Rod Pipes, uh, Cane Rod Piper on YouTube for graciously cleaning and polishing the stem in support of this. And in my hands is a Butch Shokin Montaigne, uh, just a nice Cumberland stem, bent, uh, kind of a bent apple, or bent billiard-esque, and uh, the stem is really nicely cleaned up. Pipe is completely unsmoked. And of course, Butch Shokin uh, from St. Claude, France, closed down a couple of years ago, so uh, we know that pipe's been around, but thank you very much, Scott, for that. And moving that out of the way and off to the side. And from Tor Carter, uh, he writes, Hello, these these two tins are for your JDRF auction. Hope they're able to raise some funds for your charity. Cheers, Tor. And he sent in two tins of Dunhill. That's right, Dunhill Nightcap. And I'm sure Steve will be able to uh, age date them a little better than I can. But these are made in Denmark, probably uh, two years old. Uh, three years old probably from about 2018 would be my guess and thank you Tori. Yep, that's the old dunhill labeled nightcap so not the newer peterson versions i'm gonna save that for last uh going over here to uh, uh from spike he writes brian a small token to help raise funds for jdrf uh, love your podcast the wife loves your podcast hope to see you in columbus and or richmond spike and, uh, yep, uh, Spike, I will see you and Mrs. Spike in Columbus for sure. So, guaranteed. Can't wait. Uh, and then I'm not going to unwrap these, but it's a tin of... Steve's going to have a hard time selling this one, but uh, 
It's a tin of Royal Yacht. Yeah. Uh, Dunhill Royal Yacht. Uh, made in Denmark. Uh, again, a couple of years old. So not, not a bunch of age, but getting there. And then a tin of Dunhill Early Morning from about the same age range. Uh, both made in Denmark. Both still sealed. And uh, both you know out of production now because uh, Dunhill is now Peterson. And now from the Pipery, from Dave Shane and Mike Moore, uh, they write, Hey, Brian, this is our contribution for the 2021 JDRF charity fundraiser. We understand that adding your face to the pocket jar lids may severely devalue our fine contribution, but we'd like to show credit for your leadership in this worthwhile cause, so there it is. Uh, we've also included two aged tins of tobacco. Those may be sold with the pocket jars or separately at Pipe Stud's discretion. Uh, and so on and so on. And so, on. so what Dave and uh, Mike did, and you might have heard about them talk about it on uh, that other podcast from the uh, Land of Hobbits. Uh, they did their pocket jars, which are really cool. They're you know, just small. They're small portable carry devices for tobacco. About the same size as a can of Skoll or Copenhagen. It's a uh, it's a ball or mason jar lid and seal on a composite plastic bottom. Uh, these on the lid, instead of having the pocket jar logo and the pipery, uh, they've got a picture of me. So, <laughs> kind of scary. Um, anyway, there's two of those. So, thank you very much. Those will get auctioned off on eBay. And then they were also nice enough to donate and uh, put little cutouts of the pictures inside the lids, too. A tin of Cornell and Deal's Tuskegee Airmen from uh, 2011. Uh, canned in six of, 621 of 2011. Uh, just, and it's starting to bulge, too. It's rounded in my hand. And then a tin of... McClellan's Latakia, the blending Latakia, and this is Cyprian Latakia from 2017. So right around the end of McClellan. Uh, <laughs> anyway, you want some Latakia for blending? I guarantee you, I will not be stealing that. Uh, but thank you very much to uh, thank you very much to Dave and Mike for sending that along. And then Russ Hicks, when I happened to see him in uh, in Savannah. Gave me a, uh, a a Nording, an Ocaso Nording, that uh, straight from his collection, and it's just a gorgeous, part rusticated, part smooth Nording pipe. Uh, very little teeth marks on the stem because I took off the uh, rubber softy bit that uh, that Russ uses. So, uh, but the stem might need a little bit of cleaning, but. It's a good, good size bowl capacity, nice, comfortable hand feel, and thank you to Russ for giving me one of his pipes for for the JDRF. And second to last, I am donating for me. Uh, this is an odd-looking Mickey Mouse-styled Meerschaum pipe in a fitted case. The pipe has been smoked. It's a good size pipe, but still lightweight, and it's got a bizarre-looking... Um, interpretation of mickey mouse 
And now remember, in order to be in the Disney Tabacchiana collection, it has to be officially licensed merchandise. This is not, but uh, I picked this up at a pipe show probably 15 years ago and uh, have just had it sitting around. I've never smoked it. Well, it needs to go somewhere where somebody can have fun smoking it. So it's a Meerschaum with a uh, stylized Mickey Mouse in a fitted case. No idea what the brand is, but uh, hopefully somebody will enjoy it and uh, give it a home and get that scary-looking Mickey Mouse away from me. And then finally, from Fletch, who sent a note that says, All my best on the auction. And this is the uh, Pièce de Résistance, the biggin. Uh, it's a gorgeous Costello. Uh, it's a Costello, Costello grade, and I'm looking for the K's on it, and I can't find it. It's a Great Line Costello, uh, dated to 50, 53 in the castle, so that's going to be uh, the year 2000, I believe. Uh, lightly smoked, in really good shape, big, beautiful sitter with uh, you know just nice grain all the way around. And it's got the bird's eye and burl on the top and a natural top and just really cool. And I can tell you that this pipe's been here with me for three months. And it's been really hard not to want to pick it up and try smoking it because for its size, it is exceptionally light. And the stem looks like it's going to be real comfortable. So anyway, it's going off to uh, Steve here and uh, will be auctioned off again starting on... Uh, on the Saturday morning, July 24th, the auctions will start on eBay and the listings for pipe tobaccos will go up on, uh, uh, will go up on the 24th on Steve's site. And then from my friend Ed at dark fired leather comes two count two pipe kits, uh, two pipe cases. One is a, a traditional kind of a, a, a handheld size that holds, it's made for two very large pipes. So, I mean, like big jumbo pipes. In fact, this big Costello just fits real easily in there. And uh, room, for, room for tobacco and two zipper sections. It's in a gorgeous brown, and I'm not sure is that, if that's real. That looks like that's real gator on the front and back and hide on the side. And of course, Ed is just, I mean, just, I'm talking about a talent boy. Uh, so there's the two pipe bag and then there's the new version and slightly bigger version of the four pipe messenger bag that I have in a, uh, in kind of a, uh, I don't know what kind of, what you would call this, but maybe saddle leather or, uh, you know, just a, a, a suede leather style, light brown perfect size for you know maybe you're going away for three four days you want to take you could put plenty of pipes in here uh it's got an inside zipper section it's got a it's got slotting for three full-size pipes and then uh one for accessories uh again just wonderful leather work uh two buckles full-size shoulder bag so that'll be on there and i believe this is like a 300 dollars item so yeah anyway again thank you to everybody that donated stuff thank you all when you go on there and remember when you bid steve is giving 100 percent of what you pay 
Uh, 100% of the final price directly to JDRF. Steve picks up all the eBay fees, all the credit card fees and PayPal fees, and Steve picks up all the shipping and does all the work, and all I do is talk about the stuff. And then uh, we donate a bunch of money to uh, finding a cure for type 1 diabetes. So, again, thank you to everybody. And in just a moment, my conversation with Ryan O'Rourke. This is Internet Radio. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe. Just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm. Smoking Pipes, in faithful service of the hobby. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining us for the seven questions for novice pipe smokers, those that have two to five years or so of pipe smoking experience, those people that have survived the hazing of their first couple of bowls and, you know what, managed to make it a couple of years. So uh, joining us is uh, is Ryan O'Rourke of uh, Minnesota, right? Yeah. St. Paul, Same. Minnesota. So, Ryan, let's get to know you first. Welcome to the show, and where'd you grow up? What'd you want to be when you grow up? Did you grow up, and how'd you get to pipe smoking? Thanks, Ryan. Uh, really happy to be here. Uh, yeah, so I grew up in St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, kind of cut my teeth working in the bars and started booking kind of live entertainment, uh, music kind of stuff, and moved on into bar management the last few years. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was always a cigarette smoker in my youth and was like rolling my own, um, like Stokeby shags and stuff like that. Yeah. And, uh, one always stuck out to me. That was three castles, which was a bright Virginia rolling tobacco. And it went away in the nineties, but it was always the one that really stuck out to me that I loved. And then time kind of went on and I quit smoking and became a pipe smoker uh, as a crutch and then kind of swallowed the hook big time. And I uh, also d- rediscovered, uh, that sweet, awesome Virginia tobacco that I had missed since the nineties that I was smoking in cigarettes, which, you know, obviously is one of the Virginia flakes and stuff, which is, yeah, it was amazing. So it's kind of my early part of a uh, pipe smoking. So when you started smoking a pipe, did you just jump right into the Virginia tobaccos? No, I was lucky. Uh, my friend Kevin, who I kind of hit him up about recommendations. Um, so my first three that I ordered was uh, Dunhill Flake, Frog Morton on the Town, and uh, Cult Blood Red Moon, uh, Cherry uh, Aromatic. Yeah. So those are my three kind of like test the water blends. Um, and uh, he also kind of sent me in the direction of 
what pipes to check out, which I ended up kind of rolling with poker pipes originally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, and right away I love the Dunhill flake. Um, and the cherry was okay, but it didn't really translate the flavor well. So I was still kind of puzzled about aromatics for a little while, but that was about it. Yeah. But at least you, you started off with some good quality blends that, you, know, you you didn't start off with whatever's in the bag down there at the corner store and yeah right. and, and fire your tongue up through that. <laughs> yeah, no, I was definitely pretty lucky with that. Um and he right away was like told me uh, about McClellan's, but I didn't, you know, there was no risk of them leaving at that time, so it was free and easy to find all of your favorite blends. Um yeah. Yeah. Definitely a lucky time. Yeah. So, and did you start off with a, uh, with a decent pipe or? I believe my first pipe was, uh, a Polish pipe, a Mr. Brog Uh pipe. Yeah. It was like a $24 online purchase. It looked cool. It looked like a hammer kind (laughs) of, um, and, uh, it served me well from the beginning. Uh, and then I kind of, it was a, uh, olive wood. And then I, once I held a briar in my hand, I kind of, could already see the difference and knew that I wanted to head in that direction. Uh, and I think I started going with like the uh, Chris Morgan bones pipes was like the next movement. I think I made with pipes with that hammer, all of wood. If somebody got out of line at the bar, could you just smack their knuckles and <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think another uh, thing my friend Kevin and I were talking about was like how you got to have a pipe that you can hold in your hand and point and scowl at somebody it was the other, uh, qualification with buying a pipe <laughs> and, and the uh, and the poker also works really well for uh, brass knuckles if you need to firm up that ri- that <laughs> fist a little bit when you pop somebody in the jaw absolutely <laughs> I, i'm sh- i'm sure that's never happened in a uh, in a bar that you've worked in where you've had to you know uh, no, no not at all no uh, uh, pretty funny stories for sure yeah. over the years yeah, men and alcohol, we just get real mellow and happy. I mean, that's it. Yep, you tie a Vikings game into that mix and off you go. That's right, you got the purple people eater up there. Uh, well, that's old. How's that? I just showed myself. <laughs> um, all right, let's get into your seven questions. Are you ready? Let's shoot. So you survived starting the smoke a pipe. What what was your aha moment that got you past the trial period and kind of said, "All right, I like this. This is how it should be." I'd say that moment was definitely after I kind of discovered to slow down my smoking pace. Um, I had uh, purchased my first order of McClellan fifty one hundred red cake. Mm. Just had finished moving into a house. I can sat on my front stoop with a nice slow pace, bent billiard, 5,100 smoke, and just kind of had like that honest to God moment where I was like, okay, I get it now. Yeah. So you were able to just sit back and, and let the, and let the tobacco kind of take over and pace yourself and you, you, yep. Did it did it kind of help that maybe that little bit of time you also got the cigarette mindset out of, you know, puff, puff, go? Yeah, and that was pretty stuck in my head. And as well as being a light cigar smoker, I was kind of rolling with that kind of a pace originally. 
Um, but yeah, once I just, you know, I think it was like Mutton Chop Piper had a video on like the breath technique or the breeze technique or whatever yeah. that kind of introduced more of like using my nose uh, a lot more in my smoking, which was honestly the biggest game changer for me. Yeah, and something you never really want to do as a cigarette smoker or especially a cigar smoker, you start doing that, your nose will fight back at you real quick. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Second question. Uh, what tobaccos did you try based on a recommendation that you did not like? Well, first off, uh, Malto Doce is the big one on that question. <laughs> yeah. uh, it tastes like baby powder. And then once I came to that conclusion, every time I tried it afterwards, it was literally all I could think of. <laughs> Uh, and then Haunted Bookshop, which I'm still further investigating, but my initial reaction with it wasn't as great as I had kind of hoped it would be. And it, and it's not that they're bad tobaccos; it's just that they they weren't working they weren't working for you, or you haven't found the right match for them yet, or exactly, the right, or the right moment, or the right body chemistry, or the right amount of in the case of Malta Dolce, <laughs> uh, maybe the right amount of dehydration. Uh, <laughs> yep maybe i should mix it with some baby's bottom and make it have like a perfect blend and see what <laughs> yeah yeah you get the flesh and the powder uh, <laughs> we could call it the full diaper blend <laughs> i love it uh, that might that might not translate real well but yeah <laughs> uh, but i i can see that um were there any blends that that you were intrigued yourself that just didn't work out or um like that i was into or that i thought it'd be into more yeah more um i think at first parik um was not hitting for mm -hmm. me and then uh sadly like when mcclellan's went under i did not like parik and never purchased any preek blends on that uh going out of business sale which I sorely regret because now I love Preek and uh, uh, Vapor Flakes and such. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I guess that might be one originally that I did not like, but now I absolutely love. You've come over to the dark side. <laughs> oh, big time. <laughs> yeah, welcome. All right, we're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll have uh, more with Ryan O'Rourke. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at CND, as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. We 
are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with uh, novice pipe smoker Ryan O'Rourke. Ryan, how many years has it been now, total of pipe smoking? Uh, it's been about, I'd say, three, and a little over three years for me right now. And, and based off of the O'Rourke name, have you tried any uh, Peterson pipes yet? I have. Um my parents actually brought me back a beautiful uh, straight Dublin from uh, one of their Ireland trips a few years back. Oh, wow. Which is great smoke. I, yeah, I, I love some of the Peterson blends as well, yeah. but uh, I have a couple other Petersons. Well, there you go. I mean, it's your namesake, so uh, right. it should fit. All right, your next question. Uh, in your three years, how has your preference in pipes changed over the time? You know, bent, straight, large, small? Uh, hammer shaped, um, and and so on. See, well, yeah, like I said, I was definitely buying a lot of pokers uh, right away. Um, I bought a few of the like stubby, like the short uh, Morgan Bones pipes mm -hmm. um, that I really liked, and then I kind of discovered like in between, you know, kind of an in between, like just like a nice five inch billiard, straight billiard with a saddle bit was kind of what my favorite and then i have recently evolved into like uh the bent nose warmers from uh the boswells okay uh, are hitting it for me but it's kind of a, a ever evolving thing which is why i absolutely love this is it it all constantly changes with different tobaccos and upping that nerd level yeah yeah well and that's part of the fun too is that when you take a pipe that's slightly different and try the same tobacco in it you might get you know you, you might get different different experiences out of the length or even the bowl shape will do that yep and i there's pipe so there's tobacco that i loved that i've had sour bowls out of a different pipe that seemed to be different than the last time I smoked it. It was like uh, Mississippi river can be one of my like favorite smokes or this one particular time. I don't remember what bowl it was, but it was like sour and just not hitting. And I, I, I blame it on bowl shape. Yeah. Yeah. Or time of the moment, but no, that, that that's cool. So even at, at a short three years, you're starting to understand that, you know, different sizes and shapes affect the way the pipe smokes or the way the tobacco works with the pipe. Yeah, and it's in, it's interesting, and same with like uh, as far as just like how you prepare a flake too. It's I can't decide which one I like. I keep going back and forth on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go go get yourself a cheap uh, a cheap used little coffee grinder and try that method and zap the zap the heck out of the flake and see what happens. <laughs> um, all right, your next question is. Uh, what was your Holy Grail pipe when you started smoking a pipe, and what is it now? Definitely when I first started, I was focused on getting a Jake Hackert uh, billiard. Um, I love the shape of the billiard. Um, it was a large bowl, uh, and I liked the, the, the bit work he was doing. I saw a few videos I saw on YouTube um, of some of his work, and it basically sold me right away. Um, and then I eventually got one and loved it as much as I had hoped I would. And do you have a new kind of Holy Grail, something that flashes by your eyes and you go, oh boy, I want that someday. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the Jay Allen pipes, um, and the, some of the Yeti pipes have been jumping out at me. 
And most recently, in the more affordable range, I've been checking out the Radicis as well. Is that more the, the the pipe maker or the brand that's attracting you, or is it a specific style of what they do that attracts you? I think it's the well. I've been getting into the Danish style a little bit more, and a lot of Jay Allen's like bent, like apples jump out at me. Um, I think it's definitely in the nose warmer size range that attracts me to those pipes. And um, I've also been paying more attention to grain and rustication and stuff on some of these pipes as well. Yeah. So, so it's kind of a mixture of a whole bunch of things, but you start, you're starting to find what kind of uh, tickles your fancy. Exactly. And then you just got to start saving up the pennies for the right one to come along and jump all over it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, it's the fun of, you know, trading and selling pipes to get new pipes. And it just kind of feeds itself, as I'm sure everybody knows. So have you done that? Have you taken some of the pipes that you've bought prior that weren't, you know, that didn't make your favorites and traded them off or sold them off? Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm constantly wanting to try the next tobacco or try the next shape that I haven't. Um, I don't see that really slowing down too much. So do you, how many pipes do you have right now? And what, what's kind of your peak optimum collection size? I probably have about 30 pipes right now, which I feel like is more than I need, but uh, I don't know if I would want to get much more than that, honestly. And are you are you smoking a couple times a day or you know, or just once a day? What's your what's your smoking routine like? Well, definitely, I'm a morning uh, morning smoke with my coffee is a big one. I'm probably at least two bowls a day, uh, if not more, on like a day off where I'm messing around the house or the yard. Yeah. All right. And are you limited to indoor? Uh, to outdoor smoking because in minneapolis uh in st paul i hope i hope you have someplace warm to smoke yeah i am very lucky my girlfriend uh tolerates me smoking a pipe in the house and i think she might actually enjoy it okay good because if she doesn't then get rid of her because (laughs) keep the pipes right yeah yeah so i'm in a collection of you know an assortment of 30 pipes or 30 something you've got you're giving the pipes a couple of days at least in between and you can yeah you you can move along two weeks without repeating the same pipe so yeah and 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 i've even you know gone as far as uh like devoting certain pipes to certain blends and stuff like that uh which also makes it interesting wow three years in and you're (laughs) (laughs) ultra nerd (laughs) oh dude i swallowed the hook it's like most of my friends think I'm insane, to be honest with you. You swallowed the hook, drank the Kool-Aid, and got the tattoo and the concert t-shirt. Exactly. Welcome to the crowd. Now, next year, I'll call you back and have you on as one of the experts. Perfect. I love it. <laughs> All right. Here's your next question. Uh, what are a few of your favorite guests from past episodes and why? Well, um, Mike McNeil episodes are always great <laughs> just because he's kind of seems like a dude I would have hung out with and chatted at at a bar yeah. uh, for the last 20 years of my life. And might have um, thrown out of your bar when he got a little drunk. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can see it going that way. Yeah. Um, I also really like the Rich Lewis episodes. Um, just he's a local 
pipe maker. I know you know him, love him. Yeah. Uh, he's a great storyteller, really good dude, makes amazing pipes. Heck of a musician, too. When, <laughs> yeah. Would love to sit down and watch him play and just smoke a pipe and, you know, fade off and maybe get one of his armadillo rusticated finishes. Oh, man. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah so you get to go down there and see him when, when you got time. Uh, I, I've been a few times. Um, one of uh, the pipe club members, uh, Craig, is uh, pretty good friends with him and works on his Instagram. So he gets to hang out and share stories with me when he gets a chance. Oh, yeah. What fun. All right. Next question. Uh, what is your favorite thing to do while smoking a pipe? Um, I'm a big fan of kind of setting in for a night getting ready for a movie, packing a pipe, getting a, you know, a beverage and just kind of hanging out, watching a movie, smoking a pipe. Otherwise, uh, messing around in the garage or doing some yard work, smoking the cob in the backyard is pretty solid as well. And then working in the bar business, are you, your, your time off work, is that later at night after the bar is closed or? It used to be. Um, lately, I've been working um, at a southern restaurant in St. Paul, and uh, I have uh, day side hours, which have been great now that I'm in my mid-40s and can't really keep up the pace of 3 a.m. anymore. All right, so, you, so you've so you got more of a traditional evening, come home, have dinner, and then, uh, and then but then you got to get up early, too, and go get the restaurant prepped. Yep. Yep. Uh, but that's where, you know, the pipe in the morning coffee come in, which is honestly like one of the great joys of my life is just hanging out in the morning. It took me 44 years to figure out that early mornings aren't as bad as they're cr- all cracked up to be. Uh, but sometimes there in St. Paul, those early mornings can be kind of cold outside. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it cold keeps out the rats, as they say, you know. <laughs> yeah you won't see any rats swimming down the swimming down the river up there will you <laughs> not when no. it's, not when it's all iced over um I'll, I'll quit picking on you for the cold i promise um <laughs> all right question number seven you get to ask me what do you want to know well what in your opinion is uh the least appealing blend that you have smoked in your pipe career like what stands out for you as like the nope, never again blend. Yeah, as, as much respect as it gets, and I think I've told this story before, but I'm old, so I'll tell the story again. Um, 2001 or two, I got a tin of Bob's Chocolate Flake. Bob's Chocolate Flake is an aromatic English, Latin, you know, it's got a little bit of Latakia in it, and on top of that, it's made by Goweth, so it's a Lakeland. Um, the chocolate I could have tolerated, but the Latakia and the Lakeland just didn't work for me. And the fun part of this story is I'm going out for lunch with my wife and daughter and Chuck Stanion and his wife and daughter, and we're going to a cheesecake factory, and I thought, well, I'll smoke this while we're standing outside waiting for the 45 minutes or an hour. I couldn't get the damn thing to burn. I couldn't get the bowl lit. 
and I'd been smoking a pipe for six, seven years at that point. I knew kind of what I was doing. Could not get the tobacco lit worth a darn. So at that point, I was still smoking cigarettes. So I just put the pipe down and was smoking a cigarette, and the pipe still felt hot. They called us in, so I dumped out the pipe in the ashtray. All this folded, somewhat rubbed out Bob's chocolate flake in this sand ashtray out front of the Cheesecake Factory. And it was kind of smoldering in there, and it was a nice spring day, and the breeze was blowing. And we go in, eat dinner, come back out, and that tobacco was still sitting in that ashtray, smoldering and burning in the ashtray. Could not get it to smoke in the pipe. (laughs) Wow. Uh, On top of that, to me, the combination of a chocolate aromatic, a Latakia, and the... (laughs) Um, and the, uh, the Lakeland flavors were just three things that I just don't enjoy even separately, let alone together. Uh, so that was, that was the worst thing I've ever, the worst experience I've ever had with a pipe. Um, and that was probably the last time I smoked a English blend voluntarily. Oh, Wow. You know, I, there were times when I had to smoke English blends because I was selling them or we were importing them and I wanted to know what they were or it was the competition. Um, and you might be able to see over my shoulder some corncob pipes that are sitting up there that are dedicated to the Latakia blends because I don't want Latakia in any of my pipes. <laughs> um, nice. So thank you, Missouri Meersham. If you ever get to a pipe show and you see Missouri Meersham's little brown bags of reject pipes that are like $30 for five or six or seven pipes, grab those. They're great for taste testing. That's all I got to say. Um, uh, They'd also be good for working in a restaurant and you just want to duck outside for 20 minutes and then leave the cob sitting up there on the wall. And, uh, yeah, you're not so much worried about it being a real good corn cob. It's already... A factory reject. So. Cobs are perfect work pipes, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they only sell those at pipe shows. I don't think they offer them online, but I, I could be completely wrong and probably are. So uh, hmm. either way. Uh, well, I'm hoping to get to the Vegas uh, pipe show this year, which would be my first big one. So uh, hopefully uh, I get there and hit that table. If you can come out on Thursday, that way you get a time, you get some time to adjust to the time zones and then you get to hang out on Thursday night and Friday night with everybody. And then the show is all day Saturday and Sunday and it's a lot of fun. So awesome. And you got to bring your, uh, you got to bring your Peterson, but I have a feeling we're going to talk about that in a minute. So are you ready for your (laughs) fast five final questions? Yes, indeed. What is your favorite pipe? Well, as you guessed, uh, that pipe, the Peterson, is definitely one of my favorite pipes, definitely my most sentimental pipe. Um, That and the Radice Silk Cut Billiard is another one of my favorites. That Peterson. Peterson was like the first next level billiard that I ever had in my possession. Oh, and that your parents bought it for you in Ireland and brought it back to you. Yeah. Yep. Seriously. Awesome. Yeah, an actual Peterson from Ireland. Well, they're made there, but it was purchased there, too. I wonder if it comes with an immigration card. Uh, (laughs) uh, What is your favorite tobacco? 
Well, my favorite tobacco is Stonehaven, even though that's kind of one of the harder ones to find. Um, otherwise, I would probably say Solani 633 or the anniversary cake. All right. As nerdy as you are, have you gotten into setting tobacco aside to start aging it? Yeah, I have. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, the cellar is definitely growing. Uh, my girlfriend definitely know what knows what Ladishi is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she, she doesn't think that's some online store that you shouldn't really tell your friends about. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> All right. The uh, the bar manager gets the question of what is his favorite drink. Well, I would say with it's got to be coffee or a bourbon. Although I don't really drink too much alcohol these days, uh, I still do. But I would say, yeah, a nice bourbon or coffee. Yeah. Do you find out that? And this is you know, this is just me asking, but the really successful people that work in bars really don't drink that much, do they? No, or they've already been run through the ringer with it. You know what I mean? Like it's a, I love beer. I love spirits. It's just one of those things where at a certain point, I know that it's not making me happy as it used to in my twenties. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know exactly what you mean. It's like, Oh God, that's going to, I know it's going to hurt the next day. Um, now it can hurt for two or three days. Exactly. Yeah. Those those three bourbons, uh, you know, affect you like six did when you were younger, I feel like. Yeah, which makes me a cheaper date. Um, <laughs> when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? I would say definitely a movie these days, but uh, music kind of has been a long time passion of mine too so bar music no <laughs> <laughs> record collecting i love old 70s hard rock and punk rock and metal i like kind of all over the place with music really jazz as well uh and then finally do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory probably for me was um a group of guys we formed the uh, pig's eye pipe club in st yeah. paul and uh when we first started meeting on a regular basis and nerding out about tobaccos and pipes. And, uh, that was probably the best moment for me, just relating to friends of mine and, uh, friends that were, you know, friends of friends and such that we just have this common interest in and brought us together. It's been great. Uh, does the pig's eye pipe club have a Facebook page or a website or someplace? Um, Instagram. Okay. Uh, I ro I run the pig's eye Instagram and, uh, constantly posting tobacco pictures and, uh, old vintage pipe spotting type pictures as well. So is it at pig's eye pipe club? Uh, I believe it's underscore after each word. There we go. Keeps the spammers out. Oh, exactly. Wait, can you spam <laughs> pigs? Um, it's kind of a pork product somewhat yeah hormel might have something to say but yeah yeah <laughs> all right well we won't do that so uh, ryan o'rourke thank you very much for coming on and joining us uh thanks for thanks for hanging out with me hey thanks so much for having me brian and we'll be back in just a minute 
Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. And like you, there can only be one Savinelli. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. I, uh, you know, you, you always find it every time I every time I talk to one of these novice pipe smokers, it just proves me right that we pipe smokers are all interesting and fascinating people, and uh, Ryan's no exemption to that. Uh, in fact, he suggested some music f uh, for us, and this one is from a band called Carl Hector and the Malcoons, which I'm probably mispronouncing. Uh, because this is a uh, uh, it's a group from Germany that, according to their uh, description on Spotify, uh, is uh, an experiment based off of the 1970s experimental German rock scene, and it's kind of um, yeah. Anyway, there's there's one description of it as Krautrock, which I w won't say in public, but I just did. So there we go. Anyway, this song is called. Uh, it's spelled K-A-R-A-D-E-N-I-Z, and I'm sure that's in uh, German, but it's called Karadenes, and this is the one that Ryan uh, suggested for us, so here it is.
that had a whole lot of stuff going on in it. A whole bunch of different little touches and nuances in there. Um, I'll be honest with you, not going to be my daily listen to, but I kind of, I kind of like it. It's a, it's a good diversion and just a whole bunch of different little styles going on in there. And remember, if you have a comment or question, email me, Brian, B-R-I-A-N at PipesMagazine.com or post it on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on Pipes Magazine or, uh, I don't know, yeah, send me signals, smoke signals somehow. Anyway, a couple of things uh, to get caught up on, and uh, we got two weeks of mailbag because Kevin was gone and didn't take me with him. I was here. Uh, and uh, Charles and I uh, went back and forth about the uh, about the West Coast Pipe Show, but then he also suggested for the gentleman that wanted the draw on his Meerschaum opened up, uh, Mike Myers at Walker Pipe Repair has done phenomenal work on some of his. So it's walkerpiperepair.com. And I guess I really should have Mike on the show. Uh, and then Guy writes me going back a couple weeks. Uh, I heard your rant about headphones. I agree. It's a sorry state of affairs. I'm lucky, however, my son gave me an old pair of Jabra headphones with detachable cord that can fit into a jack on the right or left earphone. I'm not sure if they're still around, but worth scouting for. They are excellent. While not Bluetooth, they are just fine, even if I catch the cord sometimes, Guy. So thank you very much, Guy. I'm going uh, to keep an eye out for those. And I don't like the Bluetooth headphones because then you got to remember to charge another thing. And that's the last thing I really want in my life is another damn thing to charge. Oh, did I say that out loud? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and uh, going, back, uh, going back two weeks ago with Paul Leadbeater on... Uh, Dino writes, I enjoyed the discussion with Paul. He was quite personable, enthusiastic, and seems very into his new pipe journey and a very musical Aussie accent. Uh, the music had a fun New Orleans backbeat, but the vocal section was kind of unremarkable. They should have kept up with their infectious marching band sound. And then uh, clear honesty in podcast. Now there's a concept. Great show, Dino. Thanks, Dino. <laughs> And uh, Casey Ghost says, good show. Paul was a nice fellow with a lovely Aussie accent. I'm not sure about his pipe restoration proposal. Uh, seems risky, but I wish him well. Music was okay. Sorry, Dan, we didn't, we didn't hit you on the music. Uh, and then Judge for All says, wonderful show, fellows. Thanks for keeping it real in Australia, Paul. Happy 4th of July to all. I'm enjoying today with some Cornell and Deal Sunbear. Uh Sunbear's a blend I think I ought to review, or at least remember trying it. And then going to last week with uh, Greg Guffey on, uh, Dino writes, What surprises me most about these new smokers is how quickly they come along in their knowledge and growth in pipes and tobacco. I'm sure it's the availability of social media, YouTube, and of course your encyclopedic show. We old farts had a more in-person kind of education. If you were lucky enough to find a guru at the local pipe shop, your growth was a lot less hit or miss. And before you say, okay, boomer, I must add that I'm quite happy with this development. The only thing I want to say to folk like Greg is to urge them to seek the true in-person camaraderie of the pipe club and pipe show. Uh, the music featuring Greg was quite rousing and fun. Your rant spoke directly to my earlier point. Thanks for another always entertaining show, Dino. And Dino, I can't disagree with anything that you just said there. Yeah, the, the internet has uh, put just tons of information at a, at a person's fingertips. 
And then Casey Ghost says, another entertaining show. Like Dino, I do can I I continue to be amazed at how much these guys know after a few years of pipe smoking. We owe this primarily to the all knowing mother in the sky, the internet. Yeah, the bitch is nuts, but if you can sort the if you can sort the wheat from the chaff, you can learn at an incredible rate. In my day, roughly the dawn of time, <laughs> it was far harder to gather info. But the best place to learn is at your local pipe club and then pipe shows. The key thing to remember is that no matter what kind of a pipe guy of a pi- of pipe a guy smokes and or what kind of tobacco he smokes, he is your friend. The rant was good and timely. Pipe shows are simply a hoot. I'm not sure of what to make with the of the music selection. It sounded to me like a bunch of guys in search of their sound. <laughs> or just a bunch of guys having a really good time. So again, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Would really appreciate it if you went over to iTunes and left a rating and a review there. Uh, again, that is free to do, so... Just go on over there, subscribe. If you're not on iTunes or Apple Podcasts already, go on over there and uh, subscribe. It's free to do. Leave that rating and review. All right, in just a moment, rant time. There's nothing quite like a good book or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. Cowboy. Cowboy. Pipe show organizers, I love you and I hate you. I love you and I hate you both. One, I love you for what you do, and I hate that I love so much of what you do. There you go. Yeah, uh, so I had a discussion with uh, with Marty Pulvers over the weekend, and I um, used some expletives at him, which is normal for me because I'm a Dodgers fan and he lives in San Francisco. Um but yeah, what it, what it comes down to is, you know, I love the pipe shows so much and I love going to them. And if it wasn't for these pipe show organizers, we wouldn't have them. But at the same time, I hate the fact that we're missing them and that, you know, the, the West Coast pipe show was canceled this year. But at the end of the day, we got to remember that all of these pipe show organizers, most of them, 99% of them, are, it's either clubs or individuals that are putting these on. Or, and they've got to make sure that they can cover the cost of the event. They've got to make sure that they can get enough tables sold. They've got to make sure that they can get enough people to come in and buy raffle tickets. They've got to make sure that they can get enough items donated to make the raffle interesting. So a lot of these events are kind of scary. And for a pipe show organizer... You know what? They may have to put their neck on the line for, you know, five, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars in guaranteed money. And if they don't get that in, well, guess who gets to pay that out? And uh, I don't know of any pipe show organizer's wife that would be really happy with that either. So 
pipe show organizers, you know, thank you for everything that you do. And I hate the fact that I love everything that you do and I miss going to pipe shows and I can't wait to get to Columbus for their show. But, uh, yeah, I love you and I hate you. All right, there we go. Again, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. JDRF auction fundraiser items coming up on Saturday, July 24th at uh, Pipe Stud, Steve Fallon's eBay store, and on his pipestud.com website. So uh, set your calendars for those. Thank you to Ryan for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny weather I got nothing. I don't have shit.